Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott and today is Art Book Club. Today we are finishing out weeks 9 through 12 of The Artist's Way. The irony is I have taken almost two months to do weeks 9 through 12. <laughs> and when you start out week 9, which is titled Recovering a Sense of Compassion, it tells you it may be tempting to abandon ship at this point. Don't do that. <laughs> Which is indeed what I did. In the last episode of The Artist's Way, I talked about how I was feeling less motivated. I was feeling like I didn't need to do the morning pages every single day. And I often were skipping out weeks of doing my artist date. It became less and less of a priority as my life got a little bit more complicated as summer dragged on and we're now well into fall. Before I dive into the chapters of this this last two months for me, the weeks 9 through 12, I wanted to talk about my relationship with this book and how it changed from the first four to eight weeks that we were we were reading it. I think it's understandable to have your enthusiasm wane when you are doing a 12-week program like this. In the first five weeks or so, you have a lot of enthusiasm. You want to do everything the book tells you to do. You want to do all the assignments. You are following things to a T. And then all that passion, all that extra energy dissipates because you can't be full throttle like that all the time. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of determination. I was lucky and I had Visual Nomad doing the first four weeks with me, but then I was on my own afterwards as she decided to stop pursuing the book, which is totally understandable. It wasn't for her, but I still felt like this book had something in store for me as an artist and as a creative. I just didn't have as much of a cheerleader on my side as when I did when I started. I think that's really common, especially when you're doing the book by yourself. It takes a lot of effort to get to the book, to opening up the chapter at the beginning of every week and reading through it and then committing yourself to the tasks. When you're beginning and you have that fire of, I really want something to change in my life, especially when it comes to your artwork and your creativity, That can carry you through many weeks, but as you start to regain and recover your sense of creativity, your need for that source of healing is going to be a little bit less, and so you're going to start to wean yourself off of it. I think this is pretty natural for many different ways of recovery. However, I still felt like I really wanted to finish this book. I felt like I really wanted to finish the 12-week program even if that meant I needed to take a little bit extra time in order to get to the pages, in order to get to the artist dates and the tasks. I'm going to tell you the truth here, which is I've written the morning pages a dozen times in two months. (laughs) You're supposed to do it every day, and the morning pages, if you're not familiar, are three pages written longhand in a notebook, a journal, whatever you feel like, about stream of consciousness, about whatever it was you're thinking And the purpose of it is to get you to think deeper about these topics that are haunting your life, to send out into the universe what you need as a solution and what you're worried about, and to let your thoughts have somewhere to rest. You do these in the morning, first thing, before you go to your job, before you get in the car, before you take the kids to school, whatever it is. You do this the very first thing. When I started the program for the first seven weeks or so, I had a little alarm on my phone that said, 
morning pages and it was at 7.30 in the morning and I very diligently put on my sweatshirt, went to the studio and started writing. Over the last month or so, <laughs> I have turned off that alarm and I only do the morning pages when I feel like I really want to write. I don't know if I'll ever go back to doing regular morning pages. I certainly did it enough times for it to become a habit. I certainly think about doing the morning pages every other day or so. But will I actually get them? I don't know. I think there's also something to be said about life events happening during a 12-week program. Your 12-week program, it's not apart from your life. It is definitely thoroughly integrated. And when something happens in your life, that is tragic or extremely eventful or happy or in any kind of way distracting from the 12-week program, this 12-week program is going to be discarded first. For me, the artist way was a priority at the beginning, but then things happened and life happened and I had other projects that needed more of my focus. This isn't an, an excuse for why I wasn't doing the morning pages. It's just something I've noticed. Three weeks ago, one of my friends died. And I'm in a lot of grief about it. For me, going back to my journal and writing about this is terrifying. I did one morning page session where I wrote... Two paragraphs, and then had to stop because my heart felt like it was going to be out of its chest. Do I know that writing will help me process this grief? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I scared to do it? Absolutely. Overall, I think I will go back to journaling regularly. It was something I did before approaching the artist's way. I've journaled for maybe a decade or so but never consistently like the artist way wants you to do. I did it maybe once a week. I did it when I had a free morning. I had it. I did it when I just felt compelled to or had a major life event or thought, oh, this sticker I got from this coffee shop is really cute. I should put it in my journal and then write. I probably will go back to that sort of journaling, to that I bring the journal with me on every trip. I keep it in my studio right next to my pencils and I look at it every day, and perhaps I will write it. And now that I'm done with the artist way, that I've completed the 12 week program, the pressure of doing morning pages has disappeared. Let's talk about artist dates in the last 9 to 12 weeks. For the 9th, 10th, and 11th week, I did two artist dates. Um, the first one was to an art museum, and the second one was... What was the second one? I can't remember because it was so long ago. <laughs> but I did spend half a day doing something just for me. It's in my calendar somewhere. <laughs> I found that when I wrote up that list of 75 artist dates for the podcast last month, two months ago, that was very useful for trying to come up with ideas for what I wanted to do on my artist dates. And I think overall, if you're going to approach the artist way and do it, I would highly recommend writing out a list when you're feeling inspired of many, 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 many artist dates that you can just pull from at any time. Ones that are free, ones that are expensive, ones that are appropriate for good weather, ones that are appropriate for bad weather, ones that you could do with something in your house, something <laughs> or others that you can do by going out into the wild. Having this list was 
tremendously helpful. And when I look at that list now, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do these in the future. I can't wait to do all of these. <laughs> if you're curious about that list, I have it up on my website, www.stephaniescott.art slash brushwork. You'll find it very easily. And um, it's, it's pretty great. On artist dates in the future, I don't know if I'm going to do them once a week. Because now that I'm not looking at this book every week, or presumably every week, I don't have the reminder to do an artist date. I could do something which is put the artist date in my phone calendar to go off once a week every week and say, you know, maybe it's just like a tiny, you know, 10 minute spot in my calendar that says assign an artist date to do this week. <laughs> I, I could do something like that. But at this moment, I don't feel the need to. What I've really liked about The Artist's Way, what I've really liked about doing the morning pages and doing the tasks every week and doing the artist dates is that I now feel better equipped to to take on my creativity as something that I'm owning, as something that is a skill that can be replenished, something that can be fed, and something that is to be honored in a way that I hadn't had that intensity around before. I do like the fact that if at any point I need help, I can just open up this book, flip to whatever chapter feels appropriate, and dive back in. Now the artist way is no longer a sense of discovery, it is now a sense of help. And that's really different than when I opened this book for the first time. If you're still on the fence about reading this book, but you're listening to this episode, <laughs> you should just you should just give it a go. You should give it a go. Now I want to go into all the different chapters, chapters of week nine through week 12, plus a little bit at the end of this book and tell you my general thoughts. Week nine was recovering a sense of compassion. Being compassionate towards oneself is really tough, especially when you are feeling down about your artwork, especially when other people are just putting you down about things you make. It's, it's tough. We live in a tough world of constant cr critique and recovering a sense of compassion for your own creativity is really important. Have you ever had an art block? <laughs> this this chapter in particular really tackles the art block on. In fact, there's a line here that said, blocked artists are not lazy. They're simply blocked. Every single time I've had an art block, and I mean like every time, usually the feeling that comes first is boredom. Boredom with what I'm doing. Boredom with how I'm behaving in the world. And sometimes I'm like, I really need to get to artwork. I really need to get to my studio because this is my business too, right? I need to make things so we can push forward and the art block will just go away. But the, the truth is having a sense of compassion for myself during those times, that's what I ignore. I'm like, okay, if I'm blocked as an artist, what am I actually missing in my life? What is going on that's blocking me? Is something happening? Is, am I sad? Do I have depression? Is something really great happening somewhere else, like a game I can't stop playing and all I want to do is play the game instead of making? <laughs> Am I doing productive procrastination, which is one of my greatest weaknesses of just, oh, you know, if I work on my website, then I don't have to paint because I'm still doing something productive and that counts, right? That's still good. But the truth is I'm avoiding making. And that's what this, this <laughs> chapter this week gets into. Do you ever feel blocked and... All you can think about is the painting you have to finish. Sometimes when I'm blocked, I'm like, okay, I have this huge project. For me right now, it's the Zodiac painting project. I have three out of the 12 paintings done. 
I wanted to get it all done in October and I'm nowhere near, <laughs> I have sailed past that. We are, we are not finished. And sometimes when I'm blocked, I'm like, I'm thinking about the biggest, baddest project. And that's what I look at when instead I should be thinking, what are the tiniest steps that I need to take in order to move towards that goal? Not get to the goal, not achieve the goal, but simply move towards it. That's a good way to get you out of a creative block if you're thinking <laughs> that you might be in one. A lot of the times when I am blocked, I'm thinking about my procrastination, productive or otherwise. And sometimes procrastination feels lazy. <laughs> sometimes it feels, gosh, that word is just the worst. Sometimes it feels like, oh, I just... I just want to take a nap and I just want to overeat and I just want to play games and I just want to read more fan fiction. But the truth is, I'm just feeling the fear of what I've set myself up for. I feel the fear of having a really great, amazing collection of paintings that I want to work on and yet I'm stopped because what if it works out? <laughs> or what if it doesn't? Fear is Fear is really intense and fear to me now, after reading this book, I think of it as a signal that I'm heading in the right direction and it's terrifying. And I have to tell myself, Stephanie, it's okay to be scared of it and we're moving towards it. <laughs> Sometimes a little pep talk like that works. That's one of my affirmations that I wrote down during week nine and I, I really like it. In chapter nine, they talk about creative U-turns. You know that moment when you've accomplish something great and then you're like okay now I have to accomplish another great thing right after but you can't because the last one was so successful and it just dominates every thought and every reputation everyone has any ha <laughs> anyone has ever had for you uh it talks about that in this chapter uh, you know casual feelings casual <laughs> it talks about how if you are trying to break through a block it gives you some really great steps and I've I've kind of talked about these blocks in, in past episodes of brushwork here, but it talks about how in order to get through an art block, you have to break things down into its most simple one sitting tasks, things you can do in half an hour or less that lead you towards the goal and learning how to break that big scary task of, of, oh, I need to make 12 amazing paintings. You break it down into, okay, maybe we need to put the gold on the first painting after maybe we've sketched it out right? Or maybe the first step is even further back than that. Maybe the first step is, let's just order the 12 panels that we need in order to paint this piece. You, you know what I'm saying? You picking up what I'm saying here? Week nine is interesting when it comes to the tasks. This week, they ask you to go back through and read your previous morning pages. Whereas before this week, you weren't allowed to read them again. You weren't allowed to look back. And in this one, it was telling you to really analyze what was going on during those first eight weeks of this program, the first two months of the program, and think about what patterns are you seeing within your morning pages? I'm not going to reveal to you my patterns because that's too private. <laughs> but I did come to some discoveries about myself that showed up because I did the morning pages so religiously. Let's move on to week 10. Week 10 was recovering a sense of self-protection. It took me two weeks to get into week 10. 
And when I did, it was like a little, just a little, a little slap on the face, a little like, a little like, hello, Stephanie, hello, are you thinking about this yet? <laughs> this week talks about workaholicism, Work- workaholism, yeah, workaholism, and how it sabotages you. Remember I talked about productive procrastination like 10 minutes ago? I am absolutely a workaholic. I will work and work and work and work and work. I use it as a distraction. I use it as a sense of success and motivation. And not working makes me feel like I'm falling behind. That is one of my fears that I'm actively trying to get over. (laughs) When someone is a workaholic, they have a lot of trouble with rest. And for me, the artist dates were basically equal to rest, which is why I resisted them so much. This week talks about if you're too busy to do the morning pages or you're too busy to do the artist date, it's probably because you're not allowing yourself to feel the real authenticity of your creativity, to feel the authenticity of your fears, of your hopes, your ambitions. In fact, you are clouding them by all the tasks and things that you've made yourself do. Artists tend to be real workaholics. It it comes pretty naturally. You just want to do more and more and more because you are a creative person and you know you can create things. And maybe that thing is an Instagram post. And maybe that thing is your blog post. And maybe that thing is a podcast episode. Hey. (laughs) In this chapter, we got a workaholicism quiz. And let me tell you, my points were off the charts. Um, (laughs) I... I had so many points here on this one. I was like, yep, I sure do all these things. That's for sure. Workaholism is, it's a kind of addiction. And I didn't realize how addicted I was to work until this chapter. I didn't realize how how much I wasn't protecting my creativity when I worked harder. To me, working harder is success, Right. And that's how I've been thinking. And that's how I approached this book. I was like, if I just go all out with this book, and if I just do every single morning page, my life will be fixed. (laughs) It's not the case. It's not the case. In fact, it's the opposite. When you are desperate for work and you work so hard, your bottom line for what is acceptable increases so high, right? You, You think, okay, if I'm working nine, 10 hours a day on this, then it's successful. And then Anytime you dip below that, you think of yourself as a failure. And that is detrimental to your creativity. It's horrible. It's awful, right? And so I wrote about this quite a bit in my journal. And it was it was really revealing. And I thought, okay, here we are. <laughs> Love this for me. And now I feel like I have some tools against it. Now I feel like, okay, if I rest, it's going to be fine. If I rest, it makes me a better artist. That's one of my favorite affirmations that I that I wrote this week. In this week, it talks about creative droughts and creative famines. It talks about fame and popularity and reputation. It talks about competition and how protecting yourself comes in so many different forms. In this chapter, you were asked about what do you think gets in the way of your creativity? You were asked, why are you holding on to your creative blocks? What is the payoff for being blocked? It talks about what constructive habits does your constructive friends share with yourself? Do you have people who are helping you rest more and fight against your workaholicism? 
Or do you have friends who encourage it? Who are the people who are the people you're seeking out to feed your creativity? And what are their habits? It's important to have friends who are creative and who support your work, but it's also important to know how do they solve their problems with their creativity. And if you're not having these kind of conversations with your creative friends, I feel like you should because they're very fun and they will like <laughs> tighten up your friendship so much. It's they're pretty great. It was after week 10 that I took about a week and a half off from reading this book. I didn't really look at this book, The Artist's Way, for very long. And then I picked it up again just randomly on a Wednesday. And I was like, this isn't the beginning of the week, but it's the point of the week where I can pick up this book. And so we enter week 11. Week 11 is recovering a sense of autonomy, accepting that you are an artist. I am an artist. And at this point, you've got to be declarative. You've done 11 weeks of work. And knowing that you are an artist at this point, it should come a lot easier than when you were trying to say this at the very beginning of week one. There's a quote in the book on page 181 that I really liked here from week 11. And it says, as an artist, I do not need to be rich, but I do need to be richly supported. And I love that. I love that we do need to be richly supported. And the support will not just come to us because we exist. We must seek out that support and we must be picky about it. We must be defensive about it. And we must be very, very, very careful about who we're letting support us and their own ambitions. It talks about spoiling your inner artist and allowing yourself to really embrace these artist dates as things that are so nurturing to your creative self that they go beyond just scheduling a self-care session. In this chapter, they also talk about how you have to feed your artists in ways that are not directly about art. We've kind of done this in the last 10 weeks, but this one is much more explicit. It talks about to make art for a long time, you must take care of your body. And to take care of your body is to take care of your mind. To take care of your mind is to take care of your creativity. Exercise teaches the rewards of process. It teaches that some satisfaction over small tasks well done. If you try to do a 5K right away, you're going to fail. But if you start running for 10 minutes a day, you're going to get there a lot faster and a lot safer. It talks about how if you are trying to do something amazing and great and ambitious, you must break it down to the steps, not just with your art, but with every aspect of your life. In this week, it starts thinking about the future, which I kind of liked for week 11. In one of the tasks, it says to list five ways you plan to nurture yourself in the next six months. Think about classes you want to take. Think about places you want to go, materials you'll allow yourself to use, things like that. And I like how the book has transitioned from, okay, this week we're doing this about the now. And this week we're doing this about the now. But now we're, but in week 11, it's talking about, okay, how are you going to prepare yourself for life after reading The Artist's Way? And I love that. I love future planning. I think when you start future planning, you start having more energy for your life. What I really love about gardening, which is one of my favorite hobbies, is that I'm always planning for one or two seasons ahead. I'm planning for next year's garden in the actions I take today. Whether it's putting down mulch or planting bulbs for spring, it feels very good to know that the things I'm doing now are going to have payoff later. That the soil that I conditioned last year is creating the most amazing mushrooms I've ever seen in my whole life right in my garden. After I finished 
week 11, I took the last three weeks off. And today I finally finished week 12. Reading this chapter, which is called Recovering a Sense of Faith, was a little bit more challenging. I am not a person of faith. I am not a person who is religious. I don't believe in gods. But I do believe in my own creativity. And that that's kind of powerful. That kind of that feels that feels good in a way that's beyond who I am as a self. It feels more cosmic than anything I've I've felt in the past. This week it talks about how you must have faith in your creativity, how your resistance to your creativity is a form of self-sabotage and self-destruction because we are creative beings. We are born to make things. We are born to be creative. And I'm not just talking about artists, but I'm talking about everyone. Every human is born to be creative. And how cool is that? This chapter talks about how creativity is born in darkness. It is born in the darkness at night. It's born in our minds. It's born in slow drips in a cave, just one drop at a time. And that creativity must be allowed to have the space to build itself. It must be allowed to ruminate and to mold and have a gestation period, and it must be allowed to have time. This chapter talks about to be creative is to be committed to ourselves as creative beings. Are you, are you committed to yourself as a creative being? Can you say I am an artist with such conviction that <laughs> it creates art just by saying it? This chapter felt the most like magic, which has been much needed when, <laughs> when I've been in a space of grief. My favorite part of this chapter, and I think in the whole book, is basically this one quote here. Life is meant to be an artist date. Do you remember back in week one when I was like, doing an artist date, that's going to take so much time. I have so much work to do. (laughs) I don't have time to do an artist date or something fun for myself. But this chapter really hit home. I was like, life is meant to be an artist date. Life is meant to be something where I'm excited to do it, that I have time for myself and my creativity, that I'm feeding my my brain and my, my love for being alive. That feels really great. The idea of, oh, I have to do an artist date has just been completely wiped out of my, <laughs> of my mental existence here. I'm now like, oh, if I'm not feeling as alive as I am when I am doing an artist date all the time, most of the time. I mean, yeah, I'm going to get bored occasionally, but like if, if I'm not feeding myself like that, what am I, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing it? Why am I working this hard to not be feeling the magic and the wonder of feeding my inner artist, my inner child here? And the truth is, it's because I've allowed myself to be creative this way. It's because I've allowed myself to see life as the struggle that it is. I guess this sounds manifestation-y, but when you read this book, it kind of just happens, okay? <laughs> Overall, I've, I've really liked The Artist's Way. I'm giving it a four out of five stars. And at the end of the book, it encourages you to take another 90 days to commit to writing the morning pages and having an artist date once a week. I am about to go on an adventure that is completely out of my norm, so I'm not going to commit to that quite yet. But... I do anticipate myself approaching the artist's way in the future. Some things I didn't like about this book were how often a Christian god was referenced. And it did it did bother me quite a bit. It got tiring trying to switch out the words in my brain for what fit me. And 
that's something I can overcome. It's not it's not the worst. I'm giving this book a four out of five, but that was quite annoying. And I definitely could see it deterring a lot of people from approaching this book and the system, this program. Overall, I feel like this book has helped me a lot. I feel more at ease with my own creativity. I feel, I feel more powerful around it. And that feels really great. I'm looking forward to doing more artist dates. I'm looking forward to going down my whole list of 75 of them and doing them over the next year, two years, 10 years or so. I'm looking forward to journaling with more of a purpose than I had before. Yes, stream of consciousness, but more of I'm putting out what I want into the universe through my written words. It feels cool. It feels great. And it feels, it feels nice to look back on and to use it to feed my future creative self. It's a cycle, you know? At the end of the book, Julia Cameron goes over creative clusters and how you can form a creative cluster. A creative cluster is a group of people who are like-minded in the pursuit of recovering their creativity. <laughs> Pretty good, right? It encourages you to have a small group of a couple of people and to not be surprised when the small group has a few people who are initially enthusiastic and then drop out. And on the other side, to have a group of people who will meet for years and years and years and years and years. It's fun to watch people grow together. And I feel like I have many small creative clusters. But this one would have intention. It also has a list of about 100 books that you could read after finishing The Artist's Way. Um, they're all from the 90s, the 80s and 90s. <laughs> and... um. I don't know if I'll read any of them, but I, I appreciate that there's additional reading for further exploration happening here. <laughs> Overall, this book is pretty great. It's a great program. And if you've been thinking about getting into it, I would I would jump in. I would get a couple of friends to do it with you, someone you could talk to once a week or so, and just kind of give an update about what you're feeling. You're not going to be reading your morning pages, but you might talk about what you did on your artist date and how you felt about going on a a week-long ban from reading and also many other creative tasks that felt silly to do but were ultimately quite fun. If you are looking to get yourself a copy of The Artist's Way, I found mine at a thrift store. You can find them all over the place. It's a very popular book. You can also get them new on Barnes & Noble or Amazon or, you know, the internet. I want to uh, I want to thank you for coming on this journey of going on the journey of The Artist's Way with me and commenting on things and supporting me when I post about my artist pages and letting me have an extra two months to get done with the book, even though it's supposed to be 12 weeks. I spent um, 18 weeks on this. No big deal. Easy. <laughs> and thank you for for listening to the Freshwick podcast. Next month's book is The Agony and the Ecstasy by Irving Stone. We are meeting on December 10th on Twitch. And... I will be, I would be delighted if you came and read the book with us. If you've liked this episode of Brushwork or past episodes and you want to see me talk about more books, you should leave a thumbs up, follow the account, <laughs> press subscribe, um, leave a comment or whatever it is that is the mechanic of wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps me reach more artists and I appreciate your support. You're awesome. Make good choices, everyone. And I'll see you next time. Goodbye.